Welcome to the Matt Hummer Podcast, episode 111. I'm Mo and I'm joined by Elle. How are you doing, Elle? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Thanks for asking. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. How are you doing, Jonathan? I'm also joined I'm by right. Jonathan. <laughs> I'm all right. Feeling a little bit summery. Sort of yeah. seems kind of far away, like so near yet so far, but I'm, I'm doing good. Yeah, the weather's... Summery totally in good. your black hoodie. Yeah. yeah that's, that's how I grip it, of course. Maybe you like roll the sleeves up. That's the summer as we get here. Yeah, no <laughs> yeah a little ritual. The nice here in England. Uh, obviously, in some ways, that I appreciate for a lot of people that makes the whole lockdown thing harder. But um, you know, as we've always said, we're all getting through this together. So uh, there's a shit ton of fun stuff to talk about that's been happening over the metal scene in the last week or so. Um, Ellen and I watched the Cavell Attack live stream. That was a laugh, one now. I loved that live stream. It was so good. It was so good. They were basically like in a big warehouse room, all standing two meters apart, playing songs. And like a couple of minutes in, I saw some pyro out of the corner of my eye. And I yeah, was like, it, was, it was probably like, did they <laughs> fire? Yeah, I thought I'd imagined it. I was like, oh no, it must just have been like a yellow light or something, because there were lots of yellow lights. And they had actual pyro. So they had somebody there, like obviously social distancing, but like doing the pyro for them, which was crazy. Yeah, it was so cool. And it really, I was surprised because I know that a few of these shows have happened so far. I haven't watched uh, many of them yet. This is the first one that I really sat down with a beer and tuned into. And I was, you know, I love Cabela Tax, seen them live a million bazillion times. I know you have as well, Alan, Jonathan. But I was still surprised just how pumped up I felt by it. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it watching them like that. I did too. And some of the comments are really funny as well. Yeah. There was somebody, Complex Skunk, commented, there was an insane queue at the bar, which I was like, yeah, that's quite funny. And then <laughs> someone, someone calls Cottage Cheese said, I've had such a depressing day and this is totally turning it around, which was cool because there was a sense of like, it was really energetic and exciting to watch and it was really cool to have something like that when we can't have shows at the moment. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, then there was the bit that we were texting about at the same time <laughs> where... Do you pronounce it Eva or Iva, his name? Uh, Eva. Eva. Well, I think, anyway, that's what I called him in the interview. <laughs> so he, he didn't correct me. Because <laughs> he's obviously the new frontman. And he was like, I uh, have to be honest with you guys. I think this is pretty cool. I didn't think I would. I mean, I don't have to stage dive or anything. The only thing is I can't spit on people. There's no one here to spit on. I hope we did not give anyone COVID-19. And if we did, I'm very, very sorry. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Well, they just, I mean, they uh, were mid, I don't know if they were mid tour, but they had a UK tour planned or they were already on the tour, but they were, they were certainly one of the bands that got scuppered by um, the whole COVID-19 situation. Yeah, but I think that's why they did this show. They were like, oh, you know, we didn't get to play the rest of our dates, so we're going to do it in your living room instead. Um, but then I think a lot of people like Eva because in the comments, people were saying, I would let them all spit on me. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a bit of Eva love going around the, the Cavalletac fandom. Um, yeah, Ellen and I were both sat texting each other throughout the show, uh, which again was so great. And um, Elle, even though I literally bought a Cavalletac t-shirt about 10 days ago, Elle egged me into buying another one. <laughs> yeah, and then I bought one as well. I bought yeah. one like the living room t-shirt, even though there were no girl ones, which is a bit sad. Yeah, worth flagging that as well. I, yeah, we were chatting about that. More bands need to do more like female friendly uh, merchandise. And we're not just saying kind of slightly trimming it in at the waist and calling it a girl tee. It's not the same thing. 
<laughs> no, I'm just gonna, it's, it's fine. We're on lockdown. I'll just look like a boy. It's, it's cool. But no, I just really enjoyed it. It was so much fun. And um, Ivar's got loads of personality and he was just having a great time. And uh, like, there was a bit where, it was really interesting. There's a bit where he said, I was quite fascinated by Judgment Day. When I was younger, I wrote songs about Judgment Day. And then he was like, now I've been stuck in my room for three weeks. No one ever told me that Judgment Day was going to be that boring. Yeah. But I kind of, I thought he had like a, quite a lot of personality. He kept sort of saying little asides here and there. And there was an amazing bit at the end where he got a flaming torch and then set a big metal drum on fire. And then you text me because because he went, internet, come on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. internet, come on. Yeah, that was great. So much, uh, so much fun. And uh, yeah, I just, I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Um, So, so good to see bands still doing stuff that can make us all feel connected, make us all feel excited, make us all feel like we're at a show, very almost. I didn't even have to get my elbowed out of my hand by some random musher. So that was good. (laughs) Um, I watched a little bit of Slipknot's uh, download set. They streamed the entire set from last year's Downloads Festival. That was you really can still exciting. watch that, by the way. Is that still up on YouTube? It's That's on cool. YouTube, yeah. yeah. Definitely go watch that because that was one of the most fun sets um, of all of last year. Uh, I should also say thanks to everybody that joined the Metal Hammer Watch Party on uh, Sunday evening. Um, we, we put together a really cool video playlist of some of the most... Uh, fun iconic crazy festival performances across the years by many different bands we have black sabbath in there we have motorhead in there we had clutch in there metallica both old school and recent metallica stuff was in there uh, it was really good fun so we really appreciate everyone jumping on the metal Hammer facebook with us for that we will almost certainly do it again um, and i should also say the latest issue of metal Hammer is of course still out now uh, features our heartwarming and world-exclusive interview with Dave Mustay, who talks all about his cancer battle um, from last year. Uh, it's a really great issue. And we did just mention Cavell Attack, and, and my interview with Cavell Attack is in there as well, just to do a cheap plug, all of my own. Um, <laughs> so if you're out doing an essential shop and you happen to go past the magazine shelf and you see Metal Hammer sitting there, uh, feel free to grab one. Or you can always order it straight to your door. Uh, go to my favorite magazines and you can see all the good deals we've got on digital subscriptions, digital one-off issues, physical issues with all the gifts that this issue comes with. You can order that straight to your door as well. Uh, so yeah, if you fancy uh, supporting us during this very crazy time for everybody, we always appreciate it. Um, some big uh, and mixed anniversaries happened this week. Felt like everyone was talking about uh, anniversaries all week long. Um, Iron Maiden's debut album uh, turned 40 this week. Um, let's talk about that first. Fucking hell. I mean, we did a whole podcast on Iron Maiden last week, basically. So maybe we won't go in too deep again. But 40 years ago this week, uh, in my opinion, the greatest metal band of all time officially announced themselves to the world. Thoughts? <laughs> it's just one of those records that still, you know, totally stands the test of time, even though it was like such a... Um, you know, and, you know, such for a debut album, like you can see, you can hear all the genes of what came out afterwards in that record. Yeah, definitely. And um, and I, I love records like where they're they're on a cusp between genres, mm. like you know, they're, they're in the crossover. This is why I love um, for the same reason that I love um, uh, Orders of Madness by Morbid Angel because it's that, that cusp between thrash metal and death, and you can feel something changing and there's real energy in there. And that whole kind of mix between punk and the new over British heavy metal. And I just love those in those transitional periods and those transitional records where they really capture the energy of um, something shifting. 
and that was a really important part of um, the album as well too. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, you can really sense, uh, um, you know, obviously as someone that wasn't there at the time, it, it's 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 uh, it's really says something about a piece of art when it can still and um, just instantly bring to mind the exact time and place that it was recorded and, and released, and it just sounds like. Um, it sounds like 1980s Britain and where the, where the alternative music scene was at that point. And it still sounds fucking killer as well. It's so fast, so urgent, so heavy in places. Um, I mean, of the Diano albums, Killers seems to generally be regarded as, as the better of the two. But I, personally, I'm, I like the, the debut more. I think, it's, I think Song for Song, it's a better album. I mean, an album that starts with Prowler and goes straight into Remember Tomorrow, Running Free, Phantom of the Opera, that's all just sides one. And then you've got Transylvania, Strange World, Charlotte, The Harlot, and of course, I Maiden, the song. Um, just a phenomenal, phenomenal album. And if, and if, you know, the young British metalheads of 1980 weren't already getting spoiled enough that week, on the same fucking day, Judas Priest released British Steel. I mean, that's just, I, I don't even know what the equivalent of something like that would be now, but that just shows you what the, the unbelievable amount of talent and creativity and excitement that was going on in the metal scene at, the, at that time. If we'd done a Hall of Fame last week on British Steel versus Maiden's debut, that would have been really hard. Like oh, British yeah. Steel is like almost like a perfect record. There's like there's maybe one song on British Steel that maybe slightly filler, but pretty much every track on there is just um, is just incredible and just an absolute classic. It's just and... encapsulated. Uh, I, most Judas Priest fans I know, actually, even British Steel is their most famous album, but I don't know if many Priest fans would say it's their favourite, but it's unquestionably the definitive Priest album because it just encapsulated everything that was great about them at that point in time and just put it into this perfect, whatever it is, 40-something minutes. Um, in a way, and it's just, it's just so concise. And um, I mean, the songs on it just speak for themselves like rapid fire metal gods breaking the law of course uh, united living after midnight i mean if if this if this album only had breaking the law and living after midnight on it it would still go down in metal history but the fact i had all these other absolute heavy metal bangers on it um yeah just it's, in, it's interesting to compare the two because you know uh british steel was very sort of and it felt kind of very liberating whereas um you know with um you know with Maiden's debut, it's just, um, it feels like it's trying to, there's this restlessness in it and it's trying to get to that point of liberation. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. And, I mean, I guess it, that's the difference between a band that had been finding their craft and had kind of reached this apex of their career to that point and a band that were like fresh out the blocks, just like had something to prove, were hungry. Um, you know, not that Judas Priest were old dogs by that point, when he chose the imagination, but you know, made them with this like spiky young punky metal band. Um, yeah, just an unbelievable time for, for music. Uh, and uh, we do go in depth into British Steel in the, the latest issue of Metal Hammer that's out now. Um, and we recently put online our uh, recent, uh, very excellent piece by Dave Ling um, on the debut I made album as well. So you can go read that for free on the Metal Hammer website. Uh, both excellent features. You should take them both out if you can. Um, and speaking of stuff that we do cover in the new issue as well, uh, another anniversary that it just seems impossible to be saying out loud. Um, but this week marked 10 years since we lost Peter Steele of Typo Negative. Um, weirdly, because Typo were kind of 
on the way out as a as a presence kind of force in the metal scene when I got into metal. Uh, I came very late to them. And so for me, Peter Steele's death was very shocking, but it didn't hit me quite as hard as maybe it did others. Um, L was a massive Typo fan. I mean, do you want to talk about what it kind of meant to you when he passed and just the kind of band that they were and maybe people take them a little bit for granted now? Uh, I just remember seeing them for the first and the last time in Manchester on my 19th birthday. And I loved the songs and I was really into them at the time. And uh, I was really, really excited. And I had four pints of Stella and you <laughs> yeah i know what i know i can't even manage half a pint so <laughs> four pints of stella and some cigarettes sorry dad and i had to <laughs> lean on my friend tim for the whole gig and i was just completely like gone but like just leaning on my back on my friend and the room was just black and it was full of dry ice and all the lights were green obviously and it was just this green haze oh, when Peter Steele just like standing in the middle of the green haze. And it was just like this out of body experience. It was just really amazing. I'm really sad I only got to see them once, but it was a really memorable show. So yeah. I'm pleased about that. But yeah, I just loved the way, I think even when I came to them, like in the early 2000s, I didn't really know the history of them at the time. I sort of came to them by finding the CDs in secondhand record shops and kind of going, oh, these are black and green and weird. And um, then listening to them and just hearing sort of Pete's really, really like low voice and these sort of romantic lyrics, but like fun at the same time. And uh, yeah, I didn't know the background. I didn't know that they came from Brooklyn in New York, that they'd come up. I mean, Jonathan's often talks about this sort of New York um, scene the kind of scene they came from and some of the sort of hardcore bands around as well. I wasn't aware of any of that. I didn't really have the context. I was just really liked what they were doing and the fact that it was kind of this gothic aesthetic, but very knowingly a gothic aesthetic. And the songs were just very, um, I don't know how to describe them really. Just, they were just kind of like draw you in. And I just loved all the catchy ones as well. Like my girlfriend's girlfriend. That was great. I just I was obsessed with that song mm. and um yeah you know October Rust was a great album Bloody Kisses and it was cool to just find these things and discover them in a sort of organic way not really knowing what I was doing and obviously now I know a lot more about them and yeah yeah it's just it was a big it's a, it's a shame you know it was, it's one of these situations where you think it has gone too soon and um you know maybe they weren't on the same kind of high as they had been and he'd had personal struggles but um i you know i think there was still stuff he had left to give musically and rest of his life to live and all that so yeah, yeah. definitely. i've been enjoying reading the old interviews we've got some old interviews up on the hammer website and it's cool to look back at those because again some of them were published before i started reading music magazines yeah no definitely um yeah it's a good point actually we do have we do have a lot of stuff uh, on pizza up on the website as well so um definitely lots to educate yourself on if you uh like i was and very ignorant of typo for for a long time um uh, jonathan you actually got to meet and interview peter in new york yeah. if, I, if i remember yeah. rightly i mean that's the dream jonathan you live the dream <laughs> i know i know so i was into i got into uh type negative through the first album uh uh 
Slow, Deep and Hard. And yeah, I guess around the time there, there was them, there was lots of New York scenes and there was like them and uh, particularly them and um, uh, Life of Agony. And they both had this kind of very rich modern guitar sound. They both, in their own ways, talked a lot about masculinity and, and crisis of masculinity. And the New York bands like Prong um, and Unsane were doing it in different ways. And I was obsessed with, uh, with Slow, Deep and Hard. And, um, you know, before they kind of entered their gothic phase. And so, yeah, 94, I got to go to New York to interview Pete Steele around the time of Origin of the Feces in his basement flat in Queens. Wow. And um, so, yeah, it was a bit of a weird 24 hours, actually. Um, ended up dancing to Temptations on time in, um, in, um, in front of like 2,200 New Yorkers beforehand. And yeah, went, went to Queens, went to his basement flat. There was him and Josh Silver sitting around the table. Um, Josh didn't really say a word and he kind of left after about a few minutes and that was fine because I got to like lock on with Pete and we basically argued for an hour because he had some, he had some, he was kind of a bit more angry then before the, uh, before October Rust and he had some, you know, uh, some unusual views on, on life, the universe and everything. And, uh, so I thought, right, I'm about, about a third of his size, but I'm going to, I'm going to argue with him. And it became like this kind of tennis match. I'd be like, so Pete, blah, blah, blah. He'd be like, well, you know, uh, You'd give me an answer and then uh, right balls in your courts you'd have to like think think hmm. quick and it just became this kind of like yeah he he loved this fact this little kid was just arguing with him and we ended up getting on really well actually he was um and but it was a real back and forth and then at the end of this weird and at the end of this interview um we start talking about a stock car that's parked outside and the way he's talking about a stock car is like you can tell it's like a very much a metaphor for him how it's just like you know, it's this great big beast that just shoves everyone out of the way. And at the end of the interview, he goes like, you want to ride? So it was mm. like, uh, yeah. So basically, Pete Steele drove me to the airport, um, back to JFK Airport in his wow. stock car. Just me and Pete Steele in his stock car. And um, yeah, got back on a Sunday morning, a drizzly Sunday morning in Streatham, thinking, um, was this all a dream? That's amazing. <laughs> but it's one of my, but it's one of my, you know, him and Marilyn Manson, they're two of like my favorite interviews I've ever done. Because uh, I really love people, you know, who have this really, like, inter like really well thought out internal logic. Usually the people with the really well thought out internal logic um, usually come out with the most strangest um, viewpoints out of it. But internally, it's very coherent. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was just really building up this world picture of him, this worldview by arguing with him and going backwards and forwards. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, it's yeah. those kind of uh, feisty personalities that, um, you know, we need we needed metal and it, and it yeah, was last when he left us. Yeah, I remember the day he died as well, too, so well, because I just uh, just got back, got to Roadburn uh, that morning, where I should have been now if um, there wasn't this virus. Shout out, Roadburn. Yeah, just, uh, anyway, so uh, I got the first morning flight out to Roban, as I usually do, just get there on no sleep, sit in the cafes, uh, drinking beer on no sleep, just um, complete stream of consciousness. Got there, found out two things. Uh, a volcano had gone off in Iceland and Pete Steele had died. So in this kind of like total not slept the night beforehand state, it was just, it was just really surreal. Mm. And I got to people you know, once my brain had kind of come to, and it's like, have you heard Pete Steele's dead? And it was like, what? No! It's like, okay, you don't look like the world's biggest Taipei negative fan. 
So you, you seem to be over. But I think people thought I was saying Pete Stahl from Goat Snake because Goat Snake was performing that year. So everyone thought Pete Stahl was dead from Goat Snake. That is uh, real. He spread misinformation. Yeah, <laughs> no, I people misheard me. And um, yeah, Pete Stahl made a made a probably not in the best taste joke about on stage when Goat Snake did play. Uh, but yeah, it was just re really surreal this morning. Like this guy, I you know spent you know one of my favorite interviews with and, and been driving in the car with him and then um a volcano had gone off and yeah it's a bit like the situation now where you don't know what's gonna what's gonna um how long this is gonna last for whether you you know you, you're kind of stranded in your own way and it was, yeah it was all just a weird mix of sensations and and just yeah just genuine sadness because he was such an intelligent human being mm. and talented human being as well too Mm. yeah absolutely and and, and yeah that's, that's an amazing story and there's plenty more of those amazing stories all over the metal hammer website right now um as i said we've got uh, a great feature on pete's life and career in the latest issue that's out on shelves now as well um so go and go delve into all that if you've got some time this week and then crank up bloody kisses uh, very very loudly um yeah can't believe it's been 10 years uh in awesome stuff that's been happening this week and there is much of it uh lamb of gods have a new beer out they're calling it the world's first non-alcoholic beer collaboration i can't really verify that but i assume it's true because why would they say that if it isn't um they've teamed up with brew dog uh, to do a non-alcoholic beer it's called ghost walker it's available to order now from the brew dog online shop uh, i think it really is speaking to um how you know, drinking culture and everything else has changed where uh, I was genuinely excited to try this when I heard about it. I was like, oh, branded non-alcoholic beer from a band I like. Yes, I want this now. Whereas five years ago, I'd have been like, non-alcoholic, who cares? Um, so yeah, really cool move by them. Obviously, Randy's had his battles with uh, with um, addiction and alcoholism and everything else. And, and so for him to work on something like this is a really, really cool little thing to do, I think. Um, and Ernie Ball have done some cool stuff as well. Uh, they've been manufacturing face masks to help the fight against COVID-19. Um, Ernie Ball, of course, the guitar string manufacturer. Um, and those masks are going to be free to deliver to residents of the Coachella Valley area. Um, so once again, really, as we say every week, um, it might seem like the world has stopped turning, but actually it hasn't. And there's still loads of bands doing loads of cool, fun stuff, which is nice, isn't it? It's good to have fun stuff to think about and talk about. I like fun stuff. <laughs> I too like fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah loads of stuff going on in the world um shout out all the bands um pushing forward with some really cool creative ideas uh should we do the album of the week this is gonna be weird isn't it this is gonna be weird we're about to see peak jonathan i think <laughs> 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 he's gonna reach his final form during this uh, we're gonna do the new album from aranzi pazuzu it's called mastarin kinsey have i said that it right? means master's nail master's what the hell just happened? <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> That's a train. That was I a live right next to a railway line. Like it's like a fanfare. You said that you said the words and they came. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like beamed from out beamed from out of <laughs> Um so yeah, Aranzi Pazuzu, I guess the broad strokes of this band, they're Finnish, uh, kind of psychedelic-ish black metal. They've been around for a while now, over a decade. This is their fifth studio album. Um, is there anything else we need to kind of paint in the background of this band before we actually talk about the record, Jonathan? Um, 
just they came from a um like a kind of a surrealistic rock band called and i totally won't be able to pronounce this kualit intianit um which are kind of really playful um and you can see so you can see some of the um dna that what became Lorenz pazuzu in that band it just went into a much more darker more mesmerizing and as kind of time went on more disciplined form right okay. uh, so yeah there's this kind of like so, so they've got this kind of surrealist background which probably explains kind of a lot of what they where they're going yeah and they just went through this kind of um black and then they went through this black metal portal that transformed them into the incredible one of the best bands for me anyway one of the best bands on the planet that's around today doesn't their name as well I mean Orange Demon because they're Finnish yeah. and Aransi is orange and Pazuzu is a demon of the wind. Yes. Mm. Wow. Yeah, but, that, but, that, but that's um, but that's uh, that's kind of really apt because orange is a pretty trippy colour. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a fair point. Um, you know, it's like demons and orange. It's just like, yeah. Orange, orange Goblin. goblin. Pazuzu needs it. You're about to say the same thing, weren't you, Al? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for going on tour with Orange Goblin. <laughs> Lols. Uh, so yeah, let's get into this album then. Um, I, I, full transparency, I've listened to Aranzi Pazuzu a bit before. Um, I only listened to this album in full for the first time today. Um, and I just I just found it instantly mesmerizing, to be honest. It's just this nightmarish, psychedelic void through the abyss that never lets up. It's, it's stifling. It's claustrophobic. Um, and it just feels like you've, you know, that bit in Family Guy when Peter falls into Bed Bath and Beyond and just goes flying through the void like, ah! like I kind of felt as soon as I pressed play on this album, I just got sucked into, into that. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah, but it, it's kind of really accommodating at the same time. Like, it, I mean, it yeah, it's not alienating at all. But um, but you know the way they um, kind of build up the tempo and this kind of this tension in that. There is an ultimate release. It's not your typical kind of tension and release um, songs, but it it's certainly got that dynamic. Most of the albums kind of have that dynamic of ratcheting up the tension, ratcheting up the tension, mm. and then just going, and then just going kind of haywire. This kind of liberating free fall out there. And, yeah, um, totally. So you know the the albums have a really well thought out dynamic. This one, it's um. It's a lot more stripped down than anything they've they've done. Uh, the really? last album, yeah, the last album, uh, yeah, it's much more, it's much more sort of centered around the groove and the beat, uh, and so it's it's this weird paradox of being kind of more minimalist but more experimental and trippy at the same time. Like you can hear on the first song where they've really kind of just like focused purely on the groove, like "Il Mestis" is the name of the song, and it does that weird thing that Vodruna do really, which might be a bit of a strange comparison, but this is kind of groove that's not, it's not 4-4, four, four. it's kind of, it's got off beats on it and it feels kind of really alien, but it feels like it's being grown from within your DNA at the same time. It feels really inside you and intimate and really physical. And the way it kind of builds and builds, it's got this really organic feeling, uh, but it's really alien at the same time. Mm. And I love that kind of like, that sense of like, absolute kind of outer space wonder and kind of really internal intimate you know jacking into your body rhythms at the same time mm. yeah it's funny you said the outer space thing because there's a couple of 
very very small elements on there that definitely remind me of that kind of 80s floating through space kind of uh, uh, synthesized kind of thing going on but it's very very subtle and in the background um there was one track that left leapt out of me and I, uh, and it's weird because i just happened to if i hadn't have happened to be listening to this other album literally um a couple of days ago i don't know if it would have uh struck me at all but on the track um Kulin Ania Man Alta. Apologies if I've just butchered that. Um, there's bits on it that sound almost like the kind of off-kilter jazzier parts of Black Star by David Bowie. Um, and I've just found that really interesting because it because it, it gave me the same kind of feeling of just kind of floating and being in this weird, voidy kind of atmosphere with no kind of way out. Um, but you're kind of cool with it because you're just floating above it all, seeing it all go down. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's some really weird um, and interesting little bits and bobs on here once you kind of delve under the the more uh, aggressive and um, nightmarish layers. Um, what did you think, Al? I know you've listened to it a bit as well. I had the same most recency bias as you on one of the tracks. There was a track, UC Technocratia, which translates as New Technocracy. And when I was listening to that, it really reminded me of the new Night Nails record, mm. um, the Ghosts One Locusts. It was the same kind of unsettling vibes. And I was like, oh, it's taking me into strange territories here. And I tried to listen to this record last night and I had to turn it off because I really just was not in the right headspace. Um, when you put on the first track, um, you know, the vocalist has got a really distinctive voice and it's sort of almost like the voice of a reanimated corpse or a skeleton or something jonathan's making a horrible face now because i'm just saying i don't mean it in a bad way i just meant i really i really struggled to get into it because i was not in the right headspace and i listened to it today and i was in the right headspace and i really enjoyed it and i think for me i can sometimes get too emotionally sucked into things and if i'm like tired or a bit sad or something i'll get sucked into it and i'll start feeling like not good but then when I'm in a different headspace, I can sort of listen to it more objectively and kind of enjoy it. And I definitely think, like, for me, there's a difference. But um, track four, I thought was my favourite. Definitely can't pronounce this. Okiamia Listen Sali, which translates as Hall of the Righteous. And it kind of sounds like a wind-up artefact winding down. It's sort of very normal kind of sounding well normal for them sounding music and it everything starts to kind of warp and like the key kind of warps and the tempo warps and it's like oh like this is interesting and as it kind of warps along i was like oh now it sort of sounds a bit like the soundtrack for an orgy where everyone's taken psychedelics or something it's take it kind of i think it's one of those albums where it you do it does sort of paint images in your mind depending on what you've been listening to or watching or associating with and it kind of it is its own entity but i think it can connects in a weird way with stuff that's going on in your brain and kind of makes you go to different bits of your brain or different images and things just depending on what mood you're in and where you're at and stuff yeah it's got that really primitive element to it and you know bear in mind that they're from um Tampere, which is like a bit of a hotbed for this kind of music. So, you know, it's uh, them, it's um, uh, Vespereth, who we covered recently, um, Dark Buddha Rising, and to some extent Hex Vessel. You know, they're all from that area. And they've all Dark Buddha Rising is one of my favourite band names, man. It's so good. Oh, God, you should see them live. Just absolutely incredible. And, um, and you know, and obviously Dark Buddha Rising and um, uh, and Renz Busy, they, they came together to do this thing for Roadburn. 
a couple of years couple of years back called Wasted Space Orchestra, and that was a kind of a one-off. So they've all got this kind of like cosmic but primitive feel to them, and yeah, and it feels you know listening to this album as well, I kind of feel like imagine like you know you're the Fantastic Four and you're going through this energy field that's transforming your that's transforming all your DNA, mm. and it's got that kind of you know feels like you've been you you know there's a kind of really deep primitive pulse to it but you're feeling like you've you're being mutated as you go through this kind of energy field and you don't know where you're going to come out at the other end and it's so it's so gripping and soon mm. live like there are two bands that i absolutely lose my shit to live like them and Meshuggah. and yeah i remember like last time when they headlined at the dome and a friend of mine later said i've never seen anyone enjoy themselves like that at a gig before amazing yeah, it's just, it's so physical, but it's so, it just, you know, it just does these two things at once. It's kind of absolute cosmic out of void and really primitive um, physical groove to it at the same time. And, you know, and it's like, that groove feels like, and it's like a planet just like nobbling you in the back of the knee, just like a, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, uh, the groove is, is you know, it's, it's literally, it kind of feels like it's staggering. Mm. yeah and, no, uh, absolutely i think that's all can't say better than that really um it's a phenomenal album uh i i imagine it'll be ranking very highly in a lot of people's end of year list because it just feels like the kind of record that a lot of people are gonna um get into maybe even if they've never heard this band um so yeah it's out on friday uh aranzi pazuzu um i'm gonna try and say it again mastarin kinsey uh out of on nuclear blast records on friday what were you gonna say jonathan it's not, and it's not so welded to black metal that you have to be a black metal fan to, to get into it. It's like that's not, you know, that's not where they came from. Mm. You know, they, they, you know, when they, I think they discovered they, they, they kind of went to an emperor gig together, and that kind of changed them into Ranty Gazuzi. Uh, but you don't have to be a black metal fan to get what where they're coming from or where they're going to. No, you know, I'd say, I'd say if just check this album out, whatever you're into, wherever you're coming from, check out the new Aranti Pazuzu record when it comes out on Friday. Uh, there's some other great stuff out this week. The new Black Dahlia Murder album, Verminous, is out this week. Um, it is fucking great. If you like Black Dahlia Murder, you're going to like the shit out of this, I promise you. And uh, if you don't like Black Dahlia Murder, why? Uh, new albums from Abysmal Dawn as well and Duel. Uh, loads of great stuff going on this week. But if you have to only oh, check out one thing, I would recommend the Ranzi Pazuzu. You know that song you like as well, track four, I think you said it was? Was it? Or five? Five you liked. You like number five. That one translates as, I hear voices from under the earth. Lovely, yeah. I, I love all the echoing choirs and Uzi Technocratica. Technocratia. It just reminds me of like all these 70s sci-fi movies like uh, Barbarella and Logan's Run. And um, reminds me of this band Magma. Like it's kind of crazy prog band. Uh, sounds like a musical on Mars, basically. <laughs> you can't get a better, uh, a better... That should go on the front sticker for the album, man. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Get it in your lugs on Friday. Um, let's do some reader questions. Facebook.com slash readers. Come hang out with us. We've got a great community there. Um, we're all going to look after each other, all right? We've got some great questions to go through this week. So thanks, everybody. Uh, Alistair Belling asks what's the bands you've never gone that deep on in terms of giving them a proper crack and are there any that you're going to give a go during ISO life so we're calling it now ISO life isolation life 
Um, so yeah, what band, what bands are there that we haven't really gone into properly that we're going to give a go to. And Alistair says, personally, he's going to give deep purple a good shake. Um, I've never really gone in on deep purple properly, to be honest with you. So that's, that's one of mine. Um, are there any bands that you guys feel like you could have, you could spend some more time, uh, getting into, I guess we're kind of talking about legacy bands here, really. Yeah. On a non-metal kick, Tom Waits. Ah, I've interesting. Got, yes. I've got so many friends who absolutely love Tom Waits, and it sounds—it sounds like exactly the thing I should love. And I've even even like playing like, you know, classic albums like Swordfish Trombones. I've never, I've, I've never just got completely immersed where it suddenly all clicks. It's like you know, sometimes like doing you know some of these bands. Um, it's like doing a stereogram, like you have to kind of like not listen to it directly, and then. And then you stay, you kind of listen beyond it. And then suddenly it all comes out in this amazing 3D and you see where everything fits in together. So having done, so as far as non-metal, Tom Waits is the one I really need to dive into. Um, and maybe some of the more sort of East Coast death metal bands. I, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm obsessed with all the Florida bands. Maybe, you know, some of the bands like Immolation, uh, Suffocation, Suffocation, I need to just get into, get into them in the same way that I got into you know, bands like Morbid Angel and Death and, and, and Dare Side. Fair, fair. All, all very good choices. Uh, Al? Do you know what? I've never really listened to Ozzy Osbourne and the record that he put out earlier this year. Ordinary Man, was it? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was good. Um, and uh, obviously I know Sabbath fairly well, or at least the obvious Sabbath records, but there's probably a load of stuff that I've never really spent a whole lot of time with in there as well. So probably just maybe a bit more Aussie and Sabbath, if I'm honest. Huh. Fair. Do you want recommendations? Because we got them. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's probably it's just one of those things. I think where you hear bits and pieces over the years, but I've never really sat down and gone like I will listen to everything released and recorded in the last 50 years do you know what um neither of these choices are my favorite by aussie or sabbath specifically but knowing what you like and what i think would you'd get really into if you're going to check out a sabbath album i'd probably go straight in for the heavy stuff with sabotage um because that's when they just went super fucking heavy and urgent and i think you really like that and also uh no rest for the wicked by aussie i reckon you'd love that album because it's when he was at his most kind of fastest and heaviest. But I think lyrically, you'll be really into it as well. I think I will listen to it. Um, I've, got, I mean, I've got loads of these that I could go into. To be honest, um, I wrote down Deep Purple. I've never gone in on Pink Floyd properly. Um, I've always found them just too big and sparse and wild for me to try and get into. And I don't know why this came to mind, but for some reason it did. Um, Nick Cave is one that I've always wanted to kind of. Engage. I was going to say Nick Cave too. I've always, what you're saying about Tom Waits was really similar to me and Nick Cave. It's like I've heard bits and pieces, but everyone always assumes that I will like really love him and I've never really spent any time listening to Nick Cave. It's just never really been on my, oh my priority list. I, I know that the record is Christine, the last record he released. I've read some of his letters on his website and I've read quite a lot of features about it. So weirdly, I've read quite a lot of features about him and especially about his sort of recent tragedies but i haven't really sat down with the music very much well i love, i interviewed nick cave actually around the time of henry's dreams that was a very interesting strange interview too uh but got a lot of stuff out of him 
but my my personal recommendation for Nick Cave, just because it's my personal favourite, is the one no one really talks about. It's um and no more shall we part. It's just the most intimate, saddest record. And after that, he did uh, Nocturama, which was terrible. And he went, he went a bit rubbish for a few albums, and then he kind of slowly came back. Um, that uh, The Good Son is incredible. Henry's Dream is beautiful. Uh, just, just also one of the best lyricists I've ever come across. Um, just, yeah, incredible, like, n narrator. And just love that voice. It's just it's kind of something bovine about it, but it's just beautiful. <laughs> Bovine. Bovine. Yeah. To do with the cow. Yeah, there's there's, there's this one there's this one song um, uh, on Henry's dream, uh, and he, he does this croon, and it's just yeah, I can't really describe it any other way. Just this beautiful bovine croon. Ah, uh, fucking play. Yeah, totally. Um, dig into Nick Cave. What's the other one you mentioned, Merlin? The one you should need the other. Uh, I I put down Deep Purple, Pink Floyd, and Nick Cave. Oh yeah, yeah. Animals. I just, I just love animals. That's my, that's my favorite thing to play Really? Well, maybe I'll check out animals then and give it a go. Um, yeah. Ben Wilmot asks, uh, "What's your worst choice of band to see at a festival? For example, choosing Marilyn Manson over Chris Cornell at Download 2009." Um, and then he goes, on, he goes on to say, "Also, second question: How are you all doing? All happy, all healthy, and okay? Thanks, Ben. That's really sweet. Appreciate that. I think we're doing all right, aren't we? We're kind of." keeping routines together, trying to keep healthy where we can. Elle and I have been doing the old Joe Wicks workouts. <laughs> I enjoyed my Joe Wicks workout this morning. I had a really bad sleep last night. My brain just made up weird nightmares. So I got up in the morning thinking like, oh, I feel a bit rubbish this morning, but did a bit of Tai Chi and then got in on the old Joe Wicks PE class. Soon have my energy back. It's great. Amazing. Good work. Yeah, we're, we're, we're like everybody else. We're, we're getting on as best we can and, uh, and finding, you know, the positives that we can in this situation. And there are many of them. Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, I feel like if, my, if the biggest job I have to do is stay inside, it's not really that hard. Like there's people out there doing incredible, amazing things right now. So shout out to them. Absolutely back that. Um, what's the worst uh, decision you made in, in terms of going to see a band at a festival? I think, I mean, I think anyone that ended up having to see that Marilyn Manson set in 2009 will agree with Ben there. That was the worst thing I've ever seen at a festival, I think. I still enjoyed it because I like Marilyn Manson and I know it was bad. But I mean, I we all like Marilyn Manson now. That's kind of why I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone knows what mine is because I've said it like loads of times. I can't remember, sorry. It's the first ever download festival. I watched Evanescence instead of the Metallica secret set. But uh, yeah, at I that time, I was that. really into Evanescence. So that was like a good decision for me at the time. Did it, didn't it bucket down halfway through that set for a few minutes? I don't remember it raining for that. I remember it raining a lot for Audio Slave at that festival. There was like a big, um, like sheet on the floor it's sort of like this long strip and i think it's covering some wires or something and we all like held it up and got underneath it to try and shelter from the rain oh that's, that's not great show. uh jonathan have you ever had to yeah well I mean, the thing is like so they're not always my choices because i find it really weird going to festivals now and not kind of reviewing or working like not having a thing to do uh so i need especially festivals like that i need like a, a kind of a little plan of who to go and see and so i was actually uh reviewing something for our for our sister magazine classic rock 
and they and um yeah i just remember it's like one of those really rainy muddy downloads and um i remember like first of all having to, to watch really like a, a phoned in disturbed performance in the rain in the mud and just having a really shit time uh and just thinking oh my god how how much do they basically rip off tool and they ring out all the good stuff and they just give you the rag that's left at the time um, imagine l's got something to say about that because you just kind of compared two of her favorite bands and one not very favorably. Uh, I know, but I love, you know, I, I like Tool up to a point. I really like Tool up to a point. And then I remember having to trudge up that hill to the second stage to see uh, Black Veil Brides and just like Risable is just... I can't you know, imagine you watching Black Veil Brides. It was like, it was, yeah, it was, it was on suffering. So it was, it was work related. And, they are um, fucking rubbish, aren't they, that band? <laughs> fucking rubbish. Yeah, and then, so, yeah. I mean, they would have been better than, I mean, they'd have been the worst shots against anything. And um, so I was having a really shit time. And the only thing, like, they got followed on by the cult. And just like, God, this is how you do a riff. It's not rocket science. Just play a riff like you mean it. Riff science. um, Yeah, it's just, you know, it was so simple. And But unfortunately, the two things I wanted to see were on at the same time, which was the cult. And by way of contrast, heat. Heat. The, yeah. You're you know, obsessed like, with heat. Oh, you love that? I am obsessed with heat. That kind of Swedish, young Swedish AOR type band. But it's just, they're the least said, but especially watching after watching um, uh, Black Veil Brides, I just, I feel like they're the least cynical band on the planet because they just really genuinely love what they're doing. Mm. They're so just down with the cheese. So I was just having to like go between them and um, the Cole who were playing at the same time. And it just, um, it just, but just both those bands made my day so much better. Amazing. Um, I feel like we might have done this question before, you know, because I'm getting big uh, Matrix syndrome. But um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, um, my, my, I don't, it wasn't, I really enjoyed it at the time because I thought it was the closest I was ever going to get to see gun, proper Guns and Roses. But I've missed the prodigy in the tent at Down 2006 because I went to see Axel and Friends, basically. Um, and I had a great time at that Axel set. Like he threw a strop halfway through. But apart from that, I thought it was really, really good. He got out uh, Sebastian back to do my Michelle. Um, it was really good fun. Had a great night. But knowing what I know now, knowing that actual Guns N' Roses, or at least most of it, would get back together and I'd be able to see them be fucking amazing. I wish I'd gone to see Prodigy in that tent because it was like a legendary set. So yeah, I regret that quite deeply uh, speaking of regret um this next question is quite long and we we've been asked about this fucking band quite a lot over the last few weeks so we're just going to cover this once and then we're going to move on and not cover it again because the whole thing is doing my head in uh, so brendan crab is asking about trapped everyone's favorite uh, metal trolls at the moment uh, brandon crab says new metal era one hit wonders trapped continue to take the bait when metal fans and artists wind the lead singer up on twitter if you haven't seen all this, it's just been ongoing for the better part of a month now, trapped beefing with just about everyone in the metal scene. Um, he, he told Joel from the Amity Affliction, whose albums regularly debut at number one in Australia to get a real career, um, just as one example. And Brendan says, it's got them plenty, plenty of press lately, but it seems trapped are oblivious to the reality that most are laughing at them, not with them. It's entertaining to read, but do you see this having any real benefit for the band in terms of boosting streaming numbers? ticket sales, etc., or would the band just be better off not engaging in this way? 
Um, I started off finding it quite funny just to see that new metal band that had a hit song like 20 years ago beefing with people. And then I got a bit bored of it. And then I saw today that Ice-T had got involved and I was just, I kind of found it funny again. And then I thought about it and I actually tweeted a kind of sarky joke about it. And then I ended up deleting it because I just thought, I don't really want to add to this because this guy is like, shouldn't really be allowed to be in charge of his band's Twitter thing because um, there seems to be just no filter there for all the stuff that's going on. And I'm just, I've just passed the point of finding it funny now. And I just find it all a bit sad, to be honest. Um, yeah. I don't know how aware you guys are of this trap thing and what you think of it, but finding the whole thing a bit weakening. I'm not even taking the piss out of them here. I'm just finding the whole thing a bit like, Oh yeah. Weakening is a really good word for actually like kind of the same as you, like I saw it happening in the backgrounds and various like spats they've had with bands and things and various comments they've made about government. And it's just a bit like, oh, I can't be bothered to engage with that. And he clearly loves the attention, like the guy tweeting, and is clearly just trying to get more and more and more attention. And especially now he's got this attention window where people are talking about it. He's trying to capitalise on that, I think, and just troll everybody. And like you said, it's weakening. It's just a bit like, oh, I really can't be bothered. Mm. Like, I can't be bothered with somebody just putting out negative crap right now for no reason. If you're not doing something productive or happy i can't be bothered sorry yeah. and there's you know there's some, there's some quite nasty undertones to a lot of what um you know has been said and you know there's some some actually outwardly quite nasty stuff going on now but but i just think the whole thing uh just feels a bit ugh, and i would think everybody the bands all the bands getting stuck in i think we should all just move on from it now because um you know it's just, I know we're all bored, but come on, man, this thing's been going on for weeks. <laughs> there, there's an adage, um, which is very useful in the situation of this, and it was actually generally originally written for about online engagement. And it's like, don't get into a fight with the pig. You both get dirty, but the pig likes it. <laughs> That's uh, so good. That is true. Um, I don't know, why don't anyone get in a fight with a pig anyway? What's the pig doing to anyone? <laughs> Leave the pigs out of this. Yeah, so... It, it, so it, it just feels like a black hole that's going to drag everyone in. And it's also, very clean not in a good way. Yeah, and I think I just think also just online. You know, it's it's very easy for people online, as you know, as we've seen over and over again, people to get stuck into a kind of a mode and not be able to see themselves from the outside, and then then just and then just like dig in, and it just gets worse and worse, and it's just this process that's constantly churning out the worst worst of you i'm not i haven't really been following it so i can't say too much about this person this, this person in person but yeah it's just um if you get if you get stuck into that and don't just like step back and just be able to see yourself on the outside a little bit which is very hard for people when they're online mm-hmm. um it's like i said this process is going to churn out the worst and worst of you because you're constantly trying to rationalize the last stupid thing you said by being even more stupid it's just yeah, it's just a whole like black hole that's um you don't really want to go over that event horizon really. No, definitely not. And the thing is, is that yeah, the metal scene has many different personalities in it and many different opinions, and we don't all have to pretend like we're all friends all the time. But you know, like if they happen to get a few extra streams off this because someone's gone to check out the song they released twenty years ago, I don't know if that's really worth all the bridges they probably burnt. Um, and like I said, 
I just think the whole thing's a bit wank, so we should all just move on from it. So let's all agree to not talk about this situation again on this podcast. It's done. Uh, someone else want to take the next question? I feel like I've yabbed a lot. Yabbed. <laughs> uh, David Matula asks, in light of Corona, will we see pits outlawed when live shows resume? I think it's more about when live shows can safely resume, really. If you're packing yeah. people into a room... Doesn't make any difference, does it? No, yeah. Like, yeah, probably moshing directly off someone does increase your chance of catching corona if that's still a thing. But, um, like, if you've got that many people packed into a space that's all sweaty and everyone's breathing heavily in the first place, then that is what it is. So we'll see what happens with the gig situation. We will see. No one knows. But we just got to keep positive until we know when that side of the world can go back to normal i think yeah. uh, i mean i hope not i don't want to see things sanitized and um also pits are when you sometimes see the best of human behavior you know it's, it's, a, it's a place where people generally look out for each other in a you know in a seemingly dangerous situation yeah, absolutely um so you know and that that's a lesson that we should take now mm-hmm. uh andy taylor says uh devon townsend gigs for a nominal fee for the medical frontline in Vancouver, the NHS and New York are a wonderful gesture. I think your man just needs props for that. I agree. Props to Devin Townsend, which is an evergreen sentiment, to be honest. Um, anyone else doing something similar? I just thought Skin Dreads have just put out an NHS t-shirt. That, that came to mind. That's really cool. Ciao, ben from Tesseract live streamed on Twitch last weekend. He did two sessions for Mind and he made the really nice point that... It's great that lots of people are raising money at the moment. A lot of it's going towards the NHS and related organisations. But he was doing it for Mind because some of the charities have really lost out at the moment because it's, you know, for some people it's been a financial squeeze. And again, you know, people's minds are are elsewhere. So it's, it's kind of good to make sure you support other charities as well. And especially some, a charity like Mind at this time when people might be experiencing mental health difficulties so that was cool his session was a lot of fun if you haven't been on twitch and hung out with him there i would recommend it there seems to be a really good community and yeah it's just a fun couple of hours with him sort of singing and messing about and he crashed matt heafy's channel at the end of the session that i was watching as well that's cool matt Matt heafy as we know is a big twitch personality now so that was that was dan from tesseract doing that it was yeah awesome um i know al got her download nhs t-shirt delivered today i did that's that's a, another cool thing that uh, that's been happening so yeah again really i don't want to kind of beat the same drum but i just i think it's important for us to just see that there's a lot of good happening um in and around the metal scene right now we love to see it so keep on flagging it with us if you've noticed something we might have missed uh let's do one more rob lake says since i asked the question about bands doing their own beer I've noticed that a lot more have jumped on the REO bandwagon. <laughs> Is that a thing, the REO bandwagon? See what he did there. Um, and with spirits as well. Give us your names for wines. So if we did wines, what would we call them, I guess? And then he's Why mentioned, because he, he knows that L isn't the, the biggest uh, drinker. So L, you can do alcoholic ice cream if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that he added that on the end. Thanks, Rob. Uh, what would your alcoholic ice cream be called? It's really hard. I was trying to think of some really good puns, but like my pun brain was totally failing. Um, I've got some Ramstein rum, 
which I'm going to be honest, I don't love. But actually thinking about it in ice cream, that might be a really nice... You, have, you actually thing. have Ramstein rum. Yeah, they didn't, oh. but they didn't call it Ramstein, which is a bit sad. That is mad. <laughs> so yeah, I was actually thinking I've got... I went and actually had a look and I've got half a bottle of it left and I've got an ice cream maker. So at some point in the next couple of weeks, I am going to make Ramstein rum ice cream and I will post a picture on the reader's page if you like, Rob. But what's it called? <sighs> rum Rum scream. <laughs> yeah, rum scream. It's going to be called rum scream. <laughs> Jonathan, would you, have, would you have a wine? Uh... I call it the whole vine yards. Very good. <laughs> Very good. That must have happened. That must have happened. <laughs> Excellent. Um, mine's really boring. I'll just call mine Merlot Aldersley. Aldersley. That took me I about thought, two seconds to think of, so I just stuck with that. I thought when he said, give us your names for wines, he thought bands that bring out wines like Slayer had a wine I, I, I think had a probably Slayer did but I thought it'd be funnier to do our own he just wanted to say Merlot yes <laughs> and yeah you know he did specifically say alcoholic ice creams I mean that was very specific to you so I know I'm so excited and it did inspire me because the weather is getting so good and my ice cream maker is just sitting in the corner that was um I've had it for many many years now and it needs some use now the weather's good you know all year is ice cream time but this time of year especially so excellent to try ice cream would be amazing we will go three weeks without l talking about fucking ice cream at length on the podcast i just love it so much i don't there are some things like kitchen stuff that i just don't have but i've got an ice cream maker so whatever happens i can make ice cream and that will see us all through the bad times (laughs) uh that's it for this week everybody um i don't know if we're gonna we might do this next week uh, no, next week, the album of the week is going to be Trivium. So I want to make sure we go big on that. So we're going to do Trivium's album of the week next week. Um, we've got some big things to say about that record. Uh, and then in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to do the next Metal Hammer Podcast Hall of Fame. Uh, it's going to be Slipknot. Uh, so keep an eye on facebook.com slash Metal Hammer Readers. Um, we're going to be uh, posting the full Slipknot discography for you to vote through. And then uh, we pick the two most popular and we debate them for entry into the Metal Hammer Podcast Hall of Fame, currently occupied by Antichrist Superstar by Marilyn Manson and uh, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son by Iron Maiden. Which Slipknot album will join as esteemed ranks? You'll have to tune in in a couple of weeks to find out. Uh, but that is it for now. Thanks, everybody. Keep on keeping on. Stay safe out there. And uh, we'll be back next week. See you later, guys. Goodbye. Stay sane. Thank you.